Don't you realize God's justice continues forever? All day long you plot destruction. Your tongue cuts like a sharp razor. You are an expert at telling lies. You love evil more than good and lies more than truth. You love to destroy others with your words, you liar. But God will strike you down once and for all. He will pull you from your home and uproot you from the land of the living. The righteous will see it and be amazed. They will laugh and say, Look, what happens to mighty warriors who do not trust in God? They trust their wealth instead and grow more and more bold in their wickedness. But I am like an olive tree thriving in the house of God. I will always trust in God's unfailing love. I will praise you forever, O God, for what you have done. I will trust in your good name in the presence of your faithful people. May we meditate on his word. stand together as we continue in worship. Father God, we come before you this morning. We submit ourselves to you. And we say, Father, you are the centre. centre of it all, Father God. Jesus at the centre of it Jesus be the 
I want more of you, 
Father, we thank you that, Lord, we can come into your house this morning to praise you, to worship you, to exalt you, Lord. Lord, there's no other name given on heaven or on earth or the earth beneath where man must bow at the name of Jesus. Father, we exalt you, Jesus. We praise you. We thank you for your incredible sacrifice that we stand here washed and cleansed in the precious blood of Jesus. Thank you, Lord, that we can declare we are righteous. We are justified. We're made holy just as though we had never sinned. All because of what Jesus has done. You're an awesome God and we praise you. Church, can I encourage you to express your thanks to Him? Let's lift our voices in thanksgiving. And thank Him for the awesome God He is. For the awesome things He has done for us and is to do for us. Father, we praise you. We thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your greatness. Thank you for your peace. Thank you for your joy. Thank you for your strength. Thank you for hope. Thank you for life. Lord, thank you that you're good and your goodness has no limits. It has no boundaries. Thank you for your greatness, O God. We praise you. We worship you, Lord. Great is your name and worthy to be praised. Mighty are you, Lord. We thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. There's a wonderful scripture in, in Acts, and it says, uh, Peter's talking that you may receive times of refreshing from the Lord. I just think it'd be good right we are right now, just to open our hands to the Lord and allow His refreshment to come upon us. Allow Him to revitalize us, to encourage us, to fill us allow the dew of heaven to fall upon us. So Father, right now where we are with our hearts open and our hands open to you, Lord, we ask for your dew of heaven, Lord, the refreshing rain, the fresh and filling of your Holy Spirit, Lord. Father, I pray every anxiety, every care, every worry, Lord, would just melt away, would just be washed away. Father, we would be refreshed knowing that you're with us. Father, our hope would be revitalized. Lord, your peace would overflow us. Thank you for your refreshing, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. We receive it now. We receive it now, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Father, I pray, Lord, for those in our city that don't feel refreshed, that feel burdened and wearied, Lord. Father, we pray by your grace that, Lord, they would come to know you, Lord, the one who carries our burdens, the one who walks with us. Father, may, Lord, your love touch the city like never before. Father, may she be captivated by you, Lord. May your light be shone upon her that you would be glorified and your name made famous in the city of Hamilton and beyond. Thank you for what you're doing, Lord. Thank you for what you're going to do. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Isn't God good? Yeah. Why don't you give your neighbor a high five as you take a seat this morning? I think it's pretty good. I've got a cup of tea here. I just need to be careful I don't knock it over. And maybe I'll put it over here. That might be safer. Graham and Katie. Lovely to see you. Just wonderful. I saw on Facebook that we've arrived home, and I thought, truly, was that home in New Zealand, or was that sort of home somewhere else? But church, can we put our hands together and give Graham and Katie a very warm welcome? You had a wonderful time? Can't wait to hear about it all. Yeah, just great to see you. Welcome to church. It's really, really wonderful. Well, church, um, as Josh has said, 
pastor Sharon and Jan are in Dublin and they will be moving over to Wales shortly in a matter of days. And they will be joining with um, pastors, national leadership teams as Sheridan is representing all over the world to celebrate the centenary 100 years of the Apostolic Church movement. Isn't that amazing? Started in Wales in 1916, the first official church meeting around about this time. And Sheridan and Jan and the National Leadership Team of New Zealand and others around the world will be going to a place called Penny Grove where the first church service was held, well, a hundred years ago, almost to the day. Isn't that incredible? And it's absolutely wonderful just to rejoice and thank God for the wonderful heritage we have. So um, I've heard from Sheridan last night. He he emailed or texted me. He said, we've we've been up for 48 hours. (laughs) And uh, he feels, he said they were absolutely just zonked. And uh, he was going to be preaching in a couple of hours. So (laughs) I hope he was awake for all of that. (laughs) But remember them in your prayers. Uh, That would be really, really cool. And uh, Wendy and I have some great news to share with you too. Many of you will be aware of it, but some of you may not be, is that we are looking forward to um, going on our sabbatical from the 22nd of August. Yeah, so that's going to be very exciting for us. So we're going to be away for 10 weeks. Oh, yeah. So it's, it's a bit of a gap. We'll certainly miss you. I hope you'll miss us. <laughs> and we're traveling to the States, and we're going to an ACTS conference in the UK, and um, then traveling over to Greece, and I want to go and see a place called Philippi, which we, uh, as you know, was where the Apostle Paul planted a church, and we're going through the the book of Philippians at the moment, and then go and practice some of my Hebrew in Israel. So they'll be probably going, what? What did you say? (laughs) And uh, then we'll be back. So um, we're looking forward to a wonderful time with that. So that's going to be fantastic. Well, if you have your Bibles with you, um, let's turn to Philippians chapter 3. And uh, we'll continue going through, through that. So this morning, I want to do three things. I want to review what we covered last time, have a look at what Paul says about accelerating to maturity and how to walk well. And that's what Paul's covering over in the book of Philippians. But before we do that, I want to share a story with you. This happened to me uh, probably in the order of 35 years ago. And I've never forgotten it. I was at, I was, I was probably one years old. No, not quite. I was about, I wasn't 20, but I wasn't far off it. And I went to a meeting, and there was a couple from South Africa there. And he was an elderly gentleman, probably in his late 60s, maybe early 70s. And uh, it was the first time I'd met him. And uh, he was a very gracious person. He came up and introduced himself to me. He said, hi, I'm Alistair Cook. And I said, hi, I'm Ray. And uh, when I looked at him, I was I almost shook um, because his eyes are the purest eyes of anybody I've ever seen. And when I looked at his eyes, I thought, you know everything about me. <laughs> you know what I did last night. <laughs> he was just... Caught by the purity of God. Whether he knew everything about me or not, I don't know, but that's how I felt. And as he looked at me, and his eyes were filled with grace and truth, and I thought, I want to be like you one day. There is something that is so attractive about you. And so I've never forgotten that encounter, and it reminded me of when Jesus said in the Beatitudes in Matthew 5, Blessed are the pure for they will see God. And one of the things I believe that um, I felt he knew everything about me, what I believe what he was seeing, he was looking for Jesus wherever he went. He was looking for Jesus and his family and his workmates. And as he was looking for Jesus everywhere, you could see Jesus in his eyes. And so as we go through Philippians 3 today in a little bit more detail, I pray that God will arrest and encounter you, just like I was encountered with that man. There will be something that Jesus does in our lives today and goes, wow, Lord, you've really touched something that's just revolutionized my view about you. And I pray that will happen for us this morning. So a little bit of a review. 
but before we're going to go there, I'm going to give you a scripture that we're going to look at today. Let us who are spiritually mature agree on these things. If you disagree on some point, I believe God will make it plain to you. But we must hold on to the progress we have already made. So remember at the very beginning of Philippians chapter 3, Paul says, Rejoice, rejoice, as we've heard this morning um, from Josh. Be happy in me. Don't rejoice in your circumstances, but rejoice in the Lord. And then the Paul flips off course. It's almost like he goes... He's in a four-wheel drive, and he goes on some real rough terrain. So he starts off really nicely. Let's rejoice in the Lord. Then he says, let's jump in this four-wheel drive, and we're going to go through some rough territory. And here he goes, watch out for those dogs, those people that say you must be circumcised. And he really lashes into them, these people that take a very legalistic view about faith. Paul just hammers them. And in, in Galatians, the book of Galatians, Paul even goes further. He says, those that want to mutilate you, let them mutilate themselves. He's really, really heavy. And then Paul carries on and says, if these guys think they're qualified to be religious leaders, then I'm really qualified. I'm a Benjamite. I'm a Pharisee of Pharisees. He just lists out a number of reasons why he is the man that's qualified, if there's anybody to be qualified as a Pharisee. And as he carries on through Philippians 3, he goes, this is the real reason what it's all about, is to know Jesus. I want to know his resurrection, and I want to know his suffering. I like what YWAM presented. They say, to know God and to make him known. And Paul goes on, as we touched last week, this um, one thing I do, forgetting what's in the past, I press on to the high calling I have in Jesus Christ. And Paul was saying, I have a gap. And we all have a gap. We all talked about the gap we had last time. Where we, where we're on the journey, but we're not yet there. We've, we're not quite where we want to be. Do you know what I mean? We've all got this gap. Every one of us has got a gap. And God is saying, being human is having a gap. And here Paul gives some really good advice about having a gap. One thing he says, don't look behind you. Forget the past. He's not saying suppress the past, and he's not saying don't deal with issues that need to be dealt with. But what he's saying, where the real highlights that you have in God, they're great. And where there have been real challenges, well, okay, that's fine too. But let's press on. There's a gap to fill. I want to press on that I can know more of Jesus. And that's where Paul is saying, I want to know you more, Lord. I want to know the power of your resurrection. I even want to know what it is to suffer with you. I know there's a gap, but I want to keep moving on. I want to keep moving on. And I want to encourage us all this morning, as I did last time when I shared from this, we all have gaps. A response to a gap is to forget the past and to press on. The past may have been really good. That's great. There's still a gap. Press on. The past may have been challenging. Okay. There's still a gap. Press on to know him. Press on to be known by him. Press on to make him known. Press on. Press on. I think it's so encouraging, isn't it? Paul is saying, be filled with my power, the power of the Spirit, to press on. And uh, you could express it another way. Don't quit. Don't give up. But Paul says, press on. And then we come to this verse, in verse 15. The immediate following, it says, but those who are spiritually mature um, agree on these things. If you disagree on some point, I believe God will make it plain to you, but we must hold on to the progress that we've already made. As a church, we've made great progress with God. There's a lot more progress to make, isn't there? We've made great progress this year in being a house of prayer. Isn't that good? And God would say, press on press on. You've, you've gone well, but forget the past. Press on. Press on to what we have to become this great house of prayer. That's what God is calling us to do. So we must hold on to the progress that we've made. Press on. And we talked about this in terms of grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. And I've some people asked me, said, could I have a copy of that? And I thought, well, I'm going to put it in PowerPoint. And if you want a copy of this, come and ask me and I'll email it to you. Very happy to do that. 
And so in, in the first views of, uh, verses of um, Philippians, legalism about being circumcised, that where Paul was going. But this thing about lawlessness comes up again in chapter 3, and we're going to touch it today. So here's this foundation about walking in grace and truth. And the very first part of Philippians, Paul slams religious leaders who have been all legalistic and saying, here's a set of rules and you must follow them. And then we're going to see today, he touches another part about lawlessness, where people just want to do whatever they want to. And we heard from Graham as he read Psalm 52 about Halimiklik, who basically was doing whatever he wanted to do. He was being lawless, a law unto himself. And so we looked at a number of features of what it means to walk in grace, truth, and if we are erring on legalism or lawlessness. So in grace, there's the favor of God. In truth, there is freedom. You shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. Legalism causes us to fear, 2 Timothy 1.7. Lawlessness will cause us to drift into fantasy. Grace gives us courage, one of our values. Truth is conviction to know the truth of God's word. Legalism is all about control. Lawlessness is all about complacency. And I really encourage you to read that scripture on Proverbs 1.32 when you're at home. Oh, these scriptures are very, um, yeah, very insightful. God's grace restores us. The truth is God has given us rest. Legalism is all about religion, rules, and regulations. And lawlessness is about being a rebel. I do it my way, how I want to do it, when I want to do it. The legalist says there's no way but my way, and the lawless person says any way is a fine highway. <clears throat> so we carry on. Grace is about justice, and truth is about righteous judgments. Legalism is judgmental, and I shared those couple of illustrations um, about how my uncle said to me, unless you come to my church, you cannot be saved. And uh, it's just really unhelpful because it doesn't say that in the Bible anywhere. And um, I'm sure you've got many examples of when people have been judgmental. I'll, I'll tell you this too as another ex example. I've, I've had quite a few examples of people being judgmental to me, and maybe you have too. But here was one that was done with a very good intention with this person. Um, they were being well-meaning, but they were being judgmental. My mum passed away when I was 21. She'd been sick for a number of years. And there was this man, and he was well-meaning, but he came up to me and basically implied, if we had more faith, my mum would be raised from the dead. And I just go, God bless you. God bless you, brother. I know her time is done. Sure, it was grievous for us. But judgmentalism wounds and hurts. And it's not a place to be in the church of Jesus Christ. And then there's this non-judgmental attitude. You can do whatever you want. Just don't tell me to do what I need to do, though. So in many ways, it is judgmental. Grace is sweet. We have the power to serve one another and serve God. Legalism, we can go sour very quickly with. And lawlessness takes us into a place of being sloppy. Grace will mean we're alert. Truth is God has an abundance for us. Legalism can be fixated on things. And lawlessness is about apathy. As you can see, it just goes on and on. Grace to be bold, to come into the throne of God. Boundaries is what truth is. Legalism will bind us. Lawlessness is boundaryless. Grace is the passion to serve God and with purpose. Perfectionism has to be done only one way. Lawlessness, whatever goes. Grace, skillful hands. David said, I've led the people of Israel with integrity of heart and skillful hands. And so there we go. All those things. God wants us to be on a truth and grace track, not a legalism track and not a lawlessness track. And the truth be known, there's all a little bit of legalism in every one of us and there's all a little bit of lawlessness in every one of us. That's our reality. And Jesus gives us the invitation and Paul is saying here, I recognize that too. There is a gap. But as you press on and walk with me, you'll know more of the truth 
and you'll know more of the grace of God to be like Jesus. And so legalism becomes less, lawlessness becomes less, because we're focusing on the truth and the grace of Jesus Christ. And as a church, for us to grow and be that all God has called us to be, that's the groove that we need to be walking in, the grace and truth of Jesus Christ. And so we went on to say that um, grace and truth is like a track. Here's the truth. Whoops. Hello, we've lost it. It's on my screen, okay? It will come. Josh is going to come and help me out with that one. So here's a track. It's got a number of things on it. God is holy, and our response to that is that we are holy. God is righteous. Our response to that is we are righteous. God is good. Our response to that is we express the goodness of God. There we go. That looks encouraging. Yeah, we can just keep going. Oh, there we go. So God has love. Our response is to love one another. All these wonderful truths. What is our response to this truth? This is what we do. We worship God. Our hearts just respond by faith to praise Him, to worship Him, to thank Him. The Bible never says, try and rationalize the truth. The Bible says, accepts the truth by faith and responds to the truth, which is Jesus, through worship, thanks, and praise to Him. And on the other side, what are we to do for our brothers and sisters? Encourage one another. Press on to keep on to the track of truth, to keep growing in the grace of Jesus Christ. That's what we're to do. And that just brings a beautiful community, doesn't it? Where it's sweet, where people look at it and go, that looks like that man Alistair Cook that I met. There was something about him that was filled with grace and truth, and it was Jesus. There wasn't legalism. There wasn't judgmentalism. There wasn't harshness. Nor was there a sloppy grace that you could just do whatever you wanted. But there was grace and there was truth. And so Paul says, I want to see the church at Philippi accelerated to maturity. He says, dear brothers and sisters, pattern your lives after mine and learn from those who follow our examples. Nari and I have talked about this verse. And Paul says, basically, copy me and copy others. And Paul says it many times, imitate me and, and, and imitate leaders. And I don't know about you, but I feel a bit awkward about that. But I guess we shouldn't because that's the way that God has set it to be. My, my son has got a new job and the CEO at the company he works um, is a lovely guy. But when he comes up to anybody, he starts to bounce on his feet like this. He's just got this mannerism. And, and my, my son Tom said, Dad, it's really funny because all the other salespeople, when they're talking to customers in, in, in the, the showroom, they're doing this. <laughs> And he says, I know where they've got it from. And my kids used to laugh at me because I'd get a phone call in the evening. And um, <clears throat> I'd begin the conversation fine. And at the end of it, I'd be going, okay, okay, okay. <laughs> and they'd say, oh, don't worry about him. He's just talking to one of his Chinese friends. <laughs> and I wasn't even aware of it. And um, so we, we naturally mimic, we naturally imitate one another. You know, if, if I particularly found when, when I was younger, if I spent too much, long, too much time in Australia, I ended up sounding like one of them. So there's this capacity to mimic, there's this capacity to imitate. And if we're really, really smart, we're going to look for good models to imitate. That's what Paul is saying. Paul is saying, I'm a really good model to imitate. So come on the journey and imitate with me. So uh, be like me, a mini-me, the Apostle Paul is saying. So imitate. And here's a thought. 
Be smart and learn from others. Life is too short to learn it all by yourself. I look at some people in our church who I really look up to. Wayne, you're one of them. You are a phenomenal server. Wayne is, if there's a model of how to serve people, there's many in this church, but Wayne is one of the first people that come to my mind. You are exceptionally good at it, Wayne. And I'd like to just put our hands together and say, yeah, because it's really, really true. I think, you know, at the Business Plus event on Tuesday, uh, Nicole Demet shared a wonderful presentation about culture in business environments and work environments and church environments and home environments. And I go, there is a wonderful person to imitate on building great company culture. Really, really good. Excellent. And I look at Pastor Sheridan and the way that he loves to build um, an environment of freedom, free of control, not boundaryless, but freedom. And I go, that is really, really good. Excellent. I look at other people who are really, really good at encouraging. I'm pretty good at that too, but there's some people that are really good. And I go, man, these are things that are good to imitate with intentionality. You know, some of the things that we imitate, like bouncing up and down on your feet like that, those guys probably wouldn't even know it. And me going, okay, okay. I honestly didn't know I was doing that, but my kids never let me forget it. <laughs> but there's this thing of being intentionally determined to imitate others. And here's the thing. When you begin to imitate others, it's very easy to go, I must do this and I must do that and I must do such and such. If we're imitating Paul, this is the thing he really wants us to imitate. Press on. Press on. Know him. Become like him. It's not in the rules of doing this and that. It's not in lawless, but just press on. Imitate me in pressing on. That's what Paul is saying. Imitate me. Become an, just become one that sees Jesus as the center of it all, is what we we're speaking about. Absolutely focus on him, the center, Jesus. When we imitate others, like the Apostle Paul, and learn from others, we develop an identity. I was thinking about this. Um, I have a family heritage. Part of my family heritage comes from Scotland. And I've always had a peculiar curiosity with the, way, with the Scottish accent. And um, I quite like it. I won't try and impersonate it because I'm not very good <laughs> at it. But um, here is these, these people group. They're identified by the way that they sound, by the way that they look, by the place that they live. They have an identity. And by the way that they sound, you, you know, I know where you've come from. I know it. By your culture, I know where you've come from. This is the beautiful thing about imitation. You develop identity. It said of the religious leaders of, of Jesus' disciples, they knew that they had been amongst Jesus. They heard a sound from their lips. They had a way that they walked. They had a way that they dealt with others that was full of grace and truth, and that became their identity. And that is where imitation is hugely positive and necessary. It develops our identity, a set of unique characteristics that are shared in common with others. And here's the thing about walking in grace and truth. I have found that most of us, particularly, yeah, I think it's true for probably all of us, have a real propensity to go down and be legalistic, judgmental, um, harsh, those sorts of things in our attitudes. And it takes time as the Lord works within us to be filled with His grace and truth. And one of the best examples I know of this in the Bible is the story of the prodigal son. And here are two sons. One's the legalist, the older brother, and one's the lawless one. And the lawless one says, Dad, give me the money, I'm going, I'm running off. And so the, that younger son who wants to do whatever he wants to goes and he runs off, spends up large, and then he finds himself on a farm with the pigs. And this is what he thinks. He's thinking from a legal perspective. 
I could go home and be a hired servant. That legalist side. And we know the story. He gets up and he walks home. And his father is waiting for him. And his father sees him. And there's not very often that you see in Scripture old men running. But here's a father who's running to his son. And we know the story well. He gives him sandals, gives him a coat, gives him a ring. And here's what happened. The older brother <clears throat> gets very upset. What has happened? Why is all the celebration? And he says to his father, you know, I've always faithfully served you. I've always done this for you. You know, you've never offered me a fatted calf. And the father said, everything I have is yours. And when grace is expressed, guess what? Legalism raises its ugly head. Because the truth of the matter is, God is incredibly, extravagantly generous. That's who he is. He is so amazingly gracious to us, far beyond what we think or even deserve, and legalism reacts and can't handle it. And the real punch point about the story of the prodigal son, we think it's about the prodigal coming, and that is good. But the last part of it, like when you tell a joke, you leave the punchline to last, Jesus was leaving the punchline to last, which is the older brother, the pharisaical, the legalistic attitude that Jesus was confronting. And grace, when it shines its spotlight on it, it's just laid bare. It laid bare because the older brother never understood that everything the father had belonged to the son. And this is what's so beautiful about the grace of God, that we have the fullness of the richness of God dwelling in us through Christ Jesus. We are filled with such grace and such truth that as we continue to fill in that gap by pressing on and pressing on, each day, each week, we become more and more like him. Wherever, whenever, be like Jesus. And our identity, rather than being one that is, I, I don't know, for want of a better word, um, an orphan sees myself now through God's grace, I am a son. That takes time to develop, but that's where God wants us to be. And finally, as we imitate others, we become unique in the sense that we discover our own distinctive gifts, characteristics God has shaped and called us uh, you with. And finally, to walk well. And this is where Paul really slams. We've had the, the legalism on the, in the early parts of chapter 3. Now in the last part he goes, For I've told you often before, and I say it again with tears in my eyes, that there are many whose conduct shows they're really enemies of the cross of Christ. They're headed for destruction. Their God is their appetite. They brag about shameful things, and they think only about this life here on earth. Doesn't it look like this picture? Lawlessness, appetites, wanting to do their own thing, their own lusts, their own desires, which is something every person has to deal with. But they're bragging, they're focusing not on their attention on Christ, but it's the things of this world. And once again, Paul's saying the value is not in the things of this world, the value is in knowing Jesus. And so this next line here, the Holy Spirit empowers us by His grace. The truth of God is eternal. If we go on a legalistic way, we become elite or even embittered with it. If we take a lawless way, we can have an attitude of entitlement. And I want to talk about an attitude here of elitism and that's very, very easy to adopt. And uh, we would probably not even think that we would do it, but I've experienced it myself. Um, some years ago, and I say this because I want to be embraces of everybody. I grew up in a Presbyterian church. It was a great church. And uh, when I was uh, 17 uh, years of age, I went to a camp. The only reason I went to the camp because there were some pretty girls there. Yeah, that's why else would you go to a camp? Yeah, I didn't want to go, but there were some pretty girls there, so I thought I'm going to camp. So there was about 120, 150 youth there. I can't remember exactly. It was an otaki. Uh, it was a long time ago. 
And on a Saturday evening, we were singing and worshiping God. And I didn't know what speaking in tongues was. Didn't, didn't know anything about the Holy Spirit. Uh, I, the, all, the only thing I knew of the Holy Spirit he used to be called the Holy Ghost. And when I was a kid, that made me scared because who was this ghost? And, um, but that particular evening, on Saturday evening, uh, um, in 1979 it was, as we were worshipping God, we were asked to raise our hands, which I did. Then all of a sudden, I was speaking another language. I was speaking in tongues. And I knew that Jesus, I knew this, don't ask me how, I knew that Jesus had baptized me in the Holy Spirit. I just knew it. I felt it in my spirit. I knew that is what has happened. And there was probably 60, 70, 80 other youth that experienced exactly the same thing that evening. Nobody laid a hand on anybody. And after that, I, as I read the scriptures, this is, the, uh, this is how it happened. Certain scriptures, the words would just jump off the page and greatly encourage me or greatly convict me <laughs> as God was speaking to me. And what I began to notice is that I was in a Presbyterian church, and Presbyterian churches never spoke about speaking in tongues. And uh, a number of my other friends, we decided to look at a few other Pentecostal churches in the city, which was fine. But there was one of our youth leaders, he was in his mid-40s, and the church structure really found it difficult because he also received the gift of speaking in tongues. And so he left the church under very difficult circumstances. But what I noticed being in a Pentecostal church, that over the years that followed, well, the church that I was in anyway, began to exhibit this elitist attitude. We're better than mainstream churches because we speak in tongues. And this elitist attitude began to creep in. And when I saw it, I thought, this is not good. It's not what God wants us to be. And in the UK, it was even more pronounced. And the wonderful thing today is it doesn't matter whether it's a Presbyterian Baptist, Brethren churches, there are churches that are filled with the Spirit where people are speaking in other tongues, which is wonderful. But this thing of this legalism, in other words, praying for people, and, well, you don't have enough faith if you don't speak in tongues. It's not God. If you're here today and you don't speak in tongues, that's fine. God loves you just as much as he loves anybody else who does. It's not a mark of salvation. It's just a mark of what God has done. We're all one. There's no one excluded out because of that. But here's another place where it goes, and, and, I, and we need to be careful about this too, church, is healing. Healing is from God. Healing is something we want to see more of. Healing is the grace of Jesus. But you can walk into a legalistic side and say and pray for somebody. And if they weren't here, you'd say, well, you didn't have enough faith. And the thing is, that happens to some people. Or you didn't do this. Or if you lived a better life, then God would heal you. And the thing is, it's all down the root of legalism. And it might be true that there's more faith. And it might be true that there's a different way to live. But a gracious person will point them to Jesus, will not make the judgments about why or why not something has happened. Can you hear what I'm trying to say? It's really, really important. And on the other side, and, and you look at healing testimonies, and there is so many, it's such a broad spectrum in it. I have prayed for God to heal me and been instantly healed. Then I've prayed for other times, and I'm still waiting. And I've prayed for people, and they've died. And I've prayed for people, and they've been healed. And it's mysterious, but I know Jesus heals. And if you take the, the lawless side, you go, well, I can't work it out, so therefore God doesn't heal. That's not the truth. The truth is, absolute truth, God heals. The grace of his Spirit empowers it, but we live in mystery. We live with a gap. And Paul says, press on. When you can't work it all out, when there's mystery, press on to the high calling we have from Christ Jesus. Press on and press in to God. But avoid legalism 
and in void, as Paul has just said in the verse we've just read, this thing about being lawless and, and responding to appetites, that we can do whatever we want, whatever we like. God's grace doesn't empower us to do whatever else we want. God's grace empowers us to live like Jesus. God's grace empowers us to live righteously. Isn't that good? And so here's what legalism does. It kills life. Judgmentalism, harshness, cold comments, rules and regulations, they kill the very life that God wants in us. And lawlessness... Oops, did we... Hello? Josh... <laughs> lawlessness spoils and destroys, as we've just read in that scripture. But here's what God does. His spirit, in Hebrews and in John, is called, guess what? The spirit of grace and the spirit of truth. And as we press on, seeking God, imitating Paul to know Christ more, Imitating Paul to know things of the Spirit. The things of lawlessness, the things of legalism are pushed aside as we become more and more like Jesus. And I think Philippians chapter 3 has now become one of my favorite chapters in the whole Bible because Paul so beautifully talks about legalism on one side, he talks about lawlessness on the other side, and he says, here's the pathway, grace and truth, knowing Jesus, that we might know him and be like him. And I want to end with this verse in, in uh, Psalms chapter 16, verse 11. I'm sure you know it well. Um, it says, You will show me the way of life, granting me the joy of your presence and the pleasures of living with you forever. It's actually quoted by um, the Apostle Peter as he's preaching in Acts chapter 2. But Philippians chapter, one, chapter 3, verse 1 starts, Count it all joy. Count it all joy. Or rejoice in the Lord. If you try and do that out of a legalistic way, I have to do it, or whatever attitude about it, we can only do it by being empowered by the Holy Spirit. You grant me the joy of your presence. And as we place our faith and trust in God, he is exceedingly generous to each one of us, far more than what we can think or imagine, that we'd be transformed into the image of Jesus. So can I just ask where you are right now, just while every eye is closed, and let's raise our hands to Jesus. Just open our hands. It's one of the things I do most mornings. I do this. And can I encourage you to imitate this? I say a simple prayer. Say, Lord, this morning, I receive your grace. Why don't you ask the Lord that right now? Lord, I receive your grace. Father, right where we are, Lord, I ask that we receive your grace, the empowerment of your Holy Spirit, Lord, that we'd walk the walk you've called us to walk, not according to our strengths, not according to our abilities, but according to the empowerment of your Holy Spirit. May your grace lift us, may your grace cause us to soar with the wings of eagles, that we'd run and not be weary, that we'd walk and not faint, that we'd know your refreshment. So Lord, I thank you for your grace. Lord, empower us, every one of us, Lord, to live like Jesus, whenever, wherever, to be like Jesus. Lord, I pray your grace to empower us throughout this week, Lord. That whatever, Lord, you have set before us, Lord, your grace would enable us to do it. And we'd walk in the truth of your word, knowing that you're for us, knowing that you'll never leave us nor forsake us. So, Father, I pray that Activate Church Hamilton would be rich in the grace and the truth 
of Jesus Christ. Father, this would be a place that legalism has no place. Lawlessness has no place. But it's founded on the rock Christ Jesus. And the grace of God would be so extravagantly poured upon us that, Lord, we can share it with others, that your name would be made famous and that you'd be glorified through it all. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Thank you, Ray. Good to walk in that grace and truth, isn't it? Good challenging thoughts. Um, tonight, we have at the 6 p.m. service, Peter Height is speaking. So if you'd like to come out tonight, we'll be hearing Peter, which would be great. Um, guests, if, if there was anyone who was new, remember to grab one of these just on your right as you leave. Uh, and there's uh, the giving stations also on your left. So please remember, church, to be intentional in our giving. So uh, as you head out the doors, uh, just head to the left for the giving stations there. Well, I hope you've had a um, fantastic time this morning connecting with God and, and people. Um, take a few minutes now. We've, we've got a few minutes, so just say hi to someone beside you before you leave, and there's the Crossover Cafe happening shortly. But make sure you just connect, connect with someone, say hi, and then uh, enjoy the coffee and food that's out there. Awesome. Thank you, church. Thank you.